Well, it's good to have Pastor David Smith here. He's the assistant pastor at Community Baptist Church up there in Coopersburg, Coopersburg, Pennsylvania. And uh, we've been up to their church a few times. His dad is the pastor, but he's been there how many years, brother? 11 years as an assistant pastor with him. It's a tremendous thing for him to be able to do that. And uh, like I mentioned, those who know uh, or those who have been to the men's camp out know Pastor David because they're there and we'll be up there next week. So looking forward to that for all those who are signed up and, and going to be a part of that as well. But it's good to have him here tonight. So Pastor David, you come on up here and preach. And a couple of these guys were asking about your dad. So if you can give us a quick update on that as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Pastor Boots. Appreciate that. What a privilege and joy to be here with you this evening. Thank God for each and every one of you men. And uh, we're thankful for what the Lord is doing here at Mount Victory Baptist Church down here in Virginia. And uh, what a privilege to be uh, able to come down here and preach the word of God to you tonight. I'm humbled at the opportunity and uh, blessed to know Pastor Boots. Uh, We were thinking back, I believe it was in 2016, the Lord brought him up to Community Baptist Church and he was sharing uh, his burden that the Lord laid upon his heart to come down here to the Richmond area and plant a New Testament Biblicist Baptist Church here. And by the grace of God, here we are in 2022. And uh, the Lord is doing a great work here for God. And uh, it's exciting to see. Uh, I was here back in 2018. You were meeting in a hotel. But the Lord takes care of His assemblies. And so now He's giving you this building right here. And I know the Lord's going to take care of this local church each and every step of the way. Uh, as Pastor Boots mentioned, I preach at Community Baptist Church, pastor of the people there, one of the assistant pastors, privileged to serve with my father. Uh, what a blessing it is to serve a son with a father in the ministry. And uh, prior to ministry, I was in tree work and farming for about uh, 12 years, 10 to 12 years or so. And uh, the Lord called us out of that in a full-time ministry to serve the Lord. And so I'm thankful for that. I feel right at home because you have wood on the table. And uh, that's wood you can fold up, put in your pocket, and take home with you for later. So that's great. But uh, thank you again for having us down. Uh, My family has been blessed by your hospitality, how you've taken care of us, put us up in a wonderful place to stay, provided for our needs, and we're just honored to be with you tonight. I pray we can be an encouragement to you as men and uh, young men here from the Word of God tonight. Thank you for praying for Pastor Smith, my father. Uh, He broke his back two times. And uh, thank you for praying for him. The first time we were in a hunting accident, he was coming down the mountain after just taking out a nice deer, and uh, he slipped, his feet went out from under him on mud, and he landed on his binoculars, which were in his hunting backpack, and uh, snapped the parts of his vertebrae off on the left-hand side of his back, and uh, he was incapacitated for a while there. And uh, so thank you for praying for him then. Uh, Then this past uh, July it was, we were getting ready to go for a missions trip and we were on a Friday, Uh, he was supposed to come out and visit us, and he fell off of a roof, and uh, again, broke his back. Uh, So we're trying to be careful with him, tell him to stay off the roof, Uh, don't get up the ladder, but we're we're thankful for him. God's doing amazing things and healing him, I praise the Lord. And uh, he does have to have a hernia surgery upcoming, so you can keep praying for him. Uh, He, um, I guess that happened as a result of the fall off the roof. They said uh, he had a hernia, but it kind of uh, split open more, so uh, he's waiting till after the men's camp out, Pastor Boots, so he can be there with us, fellowship on the mountain, and then he'll get that taken care of. So, but thank you for praying for Pastor Smith. I really appreciate that tonight. But I'd like to uh, and thank you for these cards, by the way. Uh, I was really thinking about these cards. What an amazing thing that was. I took pictures of them. I, I'd love to get myself a set of those, and then that uh, you give me the, the man cards. There's nothing like being a man, but in order to be a, how can you be a real man? Well, you've got to be a man of the Word of God. And now this will help us right here. 
Uh, the word, the, the uh, word of God gives us the answer to what a true man is, and uh, to be God's man, to be a godly man. And uh, so I'd like to look at that, if we would, a little bit tonight. If you take your Bible tonight, and uh, this will be a little bit of a smaller message. I'm not trying to be light, but uh, I printed my message out at the computer at the uh, hotel, and it printed it like a size five font, and uh, that's that's the best I could get it to do. So uh, just we'll do the best that we can. But uh, the Lord has put some thoughts on my heart tonight uh, about the type of men that God wants us to be. And you know, God is searching for men. There is a search gone out. And when we think about men that were used by God back in Bible times, uh, God was searching for men back then. And uh, so 1 Samuel 13, I'd like to draw your attention there. If you have a Bible, maybe you have one even on your smartphone, that you could look up some of these verses here tonight. Because our message comes from God's Word. Uh, if we don't look into the Word of God, I don't have anything to give you tonight. But uh, how to be a real man, we find it right here in this book. And uh, God is searching for men. And uh, God found a man that he could use in the Old Testament. And uh, he's mentioned many times throughout Old and New Testament. And his name was David. Uh, we think about this man, David. A search was put out. God was searching for a man. And he says this in 1 Samuel chapter number 13, I have found a man. That's the God of heaven speaking. I have found a man. You know, God is still seeking men today that he can use. And even the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, when he came to this earth, he said this about Zacchaeus. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. You know, every one of us as men tonight, we're not born found. We're born lost. We're lost in our sins. We're dead in trespasses and sins. And God is seeking us. Uh, he sent Jesus Christ to seek us to be our Savior. Uh, we're not just Christians because we know the Bible, follow the Bible, we're born into a Christian home. Uh, no, we're born lost, we're born dead in trespasses and sins, and we need to be born again. We have a, a spiritual birthday. Uh, you're here, you have a physical birthday, right? You're born, you're here. Uh, but that's not good enough. You need to have a spiritual birthday. Uh, you need to be born again. Uh, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. So God is seeking men tonight. Uh, God wants to use men in this generation, the day and age which we live. Uh, we live in a difficult time. Would we agree about that? We live in, in difficult times. We live in the last times. In fact, we've lived in the last times since the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But God is looking for men that He can use in this day and age right today. The search is still going on. God is searching for a man. So if you would look at that 1 Samuel 13, 14. And I ask you tonight, can God find you and I? Would we be one of the ones that God can look down from heaven and say, there is a man that I could use. God found David, and he said, there's a man that I can use. And I, it's my prayer that I could be that man, that God would be able to look down over the balcony of heaven, so to speak, if there was such a thing, and say, there's a man that I could use. There's a man that I could bless. Uh, there's a man that I can use to impact a home, a church, and a nation. And here we have David, 1 Samuel chapter number 13, and verse number 14. In contrast to the king Saul, uh, whom God was not able to use any longer, we see this man David. It says in verse number 14, But now thy kingdom shall not continue. This is speaking of Saul, the first king. Why? Why? Because Saul became proud. There was a day when God appointed him to be king, and he was little in his own eyes. But then he became proud, he became lifted up. And God said to him, your kingdom shall not continue. You've been rebellious. And uh, so here's a man that he could use, though. It says there again, but now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him. You see that there tonight, men? God seeks men. God's seeking to use men. 
Uh, I believe this, the problem in the United States of America is a man problem. We lack biblical man, manhood, biblical men who are leaders in this country. It's a sin problem, but because of the sin problem, we have man problem who are not standing up and being the men that God has called them to be. Uh, God is seeking men that he can use tonight. It says the Lord has sought him a man, and I love this phrase that sticks out into me from the word of God. God has sought him a man after his own heart. That's an incredible statement. A man after God's own heart. God's looking over, and what is God looking at? He's not looking at our physique. He's not looking at how tall we are. He's not looking at how young or how old we are. He's looking at what tonight? Our heart. Our heart. God sees the heart. God's looking at your heart tonight. How's the condition of my heart? You can't see my heart. I can't see yours tonight. But God in heaven looks down. He's looking at our hearts. Are we men after God's own heart? God is seeking, actively seeking men that he can use. It says here, and the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people. So because the Lord looked over and saw that David was a man after his own heart, God could command him to lead the nation of Israel, and he'd become the second king. We have Saul, then we have David over the combined monarchy. Uh, so he becomes a great leader for the Lord. It says, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee, Saul disobeyed the Lord. Henceforth, God was not, no longer able to use him. God's looking for men who will obey the word of God. Be obedient to the Lord. Uh, be obedient to his scriptures. God is searching for a man tonight. And uh, God wants us to be used in his great plan. God has a great plan for our lives. But we must be that man after his own heart. God's looking for men who can be used to accomplish his great will. Do you believe God has a great will for your life? We believe in the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Uh, that's what I want to accomplish with my life. I don't want to just live here and accomplish what I want, because that's a waste of time when, it's th when we think about eternity. I've got to redeem the time. I want to accomplish the will of God for my life. So we have America's problem. What is it? It's a man problem. We're lacking biblical men. We're m lacking men that have a heart that are men after God's own heart. I like what Ezekiel said, and uh, the problem was just as true in Ezekiel's day as it is in our day today. How many of you know Ezekiel 22.30? says this, and I sought for a man among them that should stand or make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But some of the saddest words in the Bible, but I found none. In Ezekiel's day, God's people were indifferent. They were living in sin. They were involved in idolatry and immorality. And God's indignation, his wrath rose up and he was going to send judgment. But he said, you know, I'm looking for a man that will make up the hedge of protection around the nation, uh, a man that will stand in the spiritual gap and to hold back the judgment of God, but sadly he found none. And now what's gonna, you know, we need men today that will stand in the gap uh, for the judgment that's about to come upon our nation. We need men that will hold, put up a hedge of protection against the judgment of God that's about to come. God is seeking men. I pray that it wouldn't be about you and I that God would look at this room and say, but I found none. What a sad statement tonight. I pray that I'd be that man tonight. I pray that you'd be that man, a man after God's own heart. God is seeking men tonight. Uh, this truth is so relevant, just as it was in Ezekiel's day, that we need men. God is seeking men. He doesn't have to use men. He could use angels. But he's chosen to use men. Uh, God uses men to build families. He uses men to build local churches. He uses men to be authority even in nations. And I thank God for that tonight. Uh, when Adam and Eve sinned, uh, who did God, God come looking for? Wherefore art thou, Adam? It stops with the man. We have a man problem in this nation. We need to be biblical men tonight. Uh, a man can hold back the judgment of God upon our nation, upon a home, and upon a local church. 
Uh, we need men to stand up and fill the gaps. Would you agree that there's gaps today, tonight, in our nation? Spiritual gaps? Absolutely. Would you agree there's gaps in our local churches? Would you agree there's gaps in our homes where the evil is getting through? And who needs to stand in the gap? Father, it's your responsibility to stand in the gap for your home. Uh, men, it's your responsibility to stand in the gap for this local church and be counted. Be, I'll be the man to make up the hedge of protection. I'll be the one to fill that void. Uh, sadly, it said there, but I found none. That's a testimony from the Lord. What a sad statement. I'm thankful that David was such a man, a man after God's own heart that would stand in the gap and could make up the hedge. Uh, David, the word means beloved. That's, that's what his name means. I like David. He's probably one of my favorite Bible characters, perhaps because my name is David. I don't know. My parents named me that. I'm thankful for it. I have a Noah David. Uh, my father is David. He's David Smith. I'm David Smith. Uh, I'm not a junior because he's Alfred and I'm James in the middle. But I'm thankful for the name David physically. But I pray that spiritually I could be a man after God's own heart. And I pray that you would purpose tonight that you might be a man after God's own heart. The search is made. God is looking for men. Saul became a failure, but David would become a faithful man whom God could use tonight. What does it mean to be a man after God's own heart? I was meditating on that. What, to, to be a man that has the heart just like God's. What would that mean? I was trying to think of some traits of a man after God's own heart. I believe first to be a passionate heart. Uh, and when you read the Psalms, it's really a picture uh, into the heart of David, David the king. Uh, he had a passion for God. Would you agree with that tonight? Passionate about his God. Who did he love? Well, he loved the Lord. He loved the Lord. He wasn't a sinlessly perfect man. He was a sinner. Praise God, he was a forgiven sinner, though. Blessed is the man who has his transgressions, his sins covered, Psalm chapter 32. But he loved the Lord. He desired the Lord. He would seek after the Lord. David had a passionate heart. I pray that we'd have a passionate heart. I believe he had a trusting heart. He talked about, my trust is in the Lord. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord. He trusted in the Lord. He trusted in the name of the Lord. He called upon the Lord. He said, God is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. So he was constantly trusting in the Lord. That's a man after God's own heart. Uh, he trusted in the Lord so much that he would go out, out after Goliath without any armor. And he wouldn't take any sword. All he did is take five smooth stones and a sling. We said, that's pretty foolish. Well, who was he trusted in? He said, I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, and the, the, the living God of the armies of Israel whom you've defied. So he trusted the Lord. He had a passionate heart, I believe a trusting heart. When I think about David and reading about him in the Psalms, I believe he had a humble heart. A humble heart. Uh, we have too many men today that are proud. They think they know everything. Uh, we need to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, and it says, He shall lift us up. Uh, what is the key to the grace of God tonight? Humble yourself. We need to humble ourselves before the Lord. Uh, when we humble ourselves, then God will, we, if we don't humble ourselves, He'll resist the proud. But God giveth grace. Giveth. Present tense. E-T-H. Giveth and giveth and giveth more grace to who? To the humble tonight. David was a humble man. He spoke about being humble in the book of Psalms. Are we humble tonight? Uh, I think about David's submissiveness. He had a submissive heart. He was willing to do what God asked him to do. I believe part of being submissive was obedience. I'm here to obey the Lord. Uh, I'm here to be submissive to the Lord's will for my life. Uh, David had a teachable spirit. As men, we need to not just think, I've got all the answers. I know everything. I've arrived. That's a sign of pride tonight. Uh, but we need to have a teachable spirit. What did David say constantly in Psalm 119? Teach me, Lord. Teach me. Teach me. I need to be taught. I don't have all the answers. Uh, you know, I've realized I don't have all the wisdom that I need. James 1.5 says, but if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. 
will never arrive until we even get to glory. I believe for all eternity we're going to be learning. So we better keep learning now. We better study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I need to have a submissive heart, a teachable spirit. How about a tender heart? Look at Psalm 51 when David sinned and he was caught and found out. God found him out. Praise the Lord. What did he say? Uh, he had such a broken and a contrite heart. Uh, he wept before the Lord. Created me a clean heart, O God. Uh, do we have a tender heart towards the things of God tonight? Do you have a tender heart, a heart that trembles at the word of God? I pray that I do. I pray I have a tender heart and want to listen to the Lord, listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit working in our lives and not be callous and hard. It's easy for a man to be hard and callous. That comes part of our, our old man, the nature of our flesh. We can be callous. We can be hard. That's why the Lord tells us that we need to be careful with how we treat our children. We don't need to provoke them to anger. Uh, we need to be tender, have be tender-hearted towards our children. I believe David also had a pure heart. He was concerned about immorality and iniquity. It didn't mean he didn't fail the Lord. He failed miserably. When I think about men in the Bible, I would say David to me is one of the most godly men, one of the most spiritual men, and yet a man who failed the Lord miserably, commits adultery with a lady, and then commits murder. He's guilty. But yet he was concerned about purity. He said, created me a clean heart, O God. So you can fail the Lord, uh, but you better have a repentant heart. David had that. He wanted to have a pure heart. Uh, what did he say in Psalm 101? I will set no wicked thing before mine eye. We got a day and age which wicked things are everywhere. Uh, they're right in front of our eyes, and we got a purpose in our heart that we will set no wicked thing before our, uh, our eyes. Do you have pure eyes tonight, a pure heart? Uh, pure eyes comes from a pure heart. I was talking with Pastor Boots today. To the pure, everything is pure. Uh, we want to have that heart for holiness, a heart for purity. David certainly had that. I believe he had a perfect heart. Perfect meaning whole or complete or entire. That didn't mean he was sinless, but he was a sincere man. Uh, he sincerely wanted to do right. The testimony of his life was that David did right in the sight of the Lord. I pray that I would have a perfect heart. Uh, when David gave it, uh, his advice to young Solomon, his son, as he took over the kingdom, in 1 Chronicles 28.9, he said this, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy fathers, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all the hearts and, uh, he ch and, the under and understandeth tonight all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Uh, I can't think of better fatherly advice and counsel than that. Know the God of thy father. See, David knew his God. He had a relationship with God. David was saved. Uh, he looked forward to Jesus Christ for salvation. We look back to Jesus Christ for salvation tonight. David was a saved man. And he wanted his son Solomon to have that same relationship with the Lord. Know the God of thy father. And then serve him with a perfect heart. Uh, not duplicity or hypocrisy. You know, we have hypocrites wherever we go. Don't ever use that as an excuse not to come to church. There's hypocrites there. We're all hypocrites, okay? Uh, but we better have a complete heart. A sincere heart. Uh, David had that sincere heart. Uh, in 2 Chronicles 16.9, we're speaking about God searching for men. And I see this in this verse as well. It says this, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. God's looking for hearts. He's looking for perfect hearts. What's the condition of your heart tonight? Is it perfect? I'm not saying sinlessly perfect. I'm not sinlessly perfect. I'm a sinner. But praise God, I'm saved by the grace of God tonight. I pray that you're saved. But we can have a perfect heart, a whole heart, a sincere heart before the Lord. 
I pray that that would be the condition of our heart. We see this in 1 Samuel 13, 14, which we're looking at right now. The Lord sought him, a man after his own heart. The Lord sought him. The Lord sought him. It's mentioned again, if you please, in Acts 13, verse 22. So this is in the New Testament now. If you could turn there, Acts 13, and verse number 22. This is in the New Testament. It says this, and when he had removed him. Now, who's that speaking about? That's speaking about King Saul, because he rebelled against the Lord, 1 Samuel chapter 15, and even before that, 1 Samuel uh, 13, we saw his disobedience, and that God had removed the kingdom from him, and then he actually removes Saul for his disobedience, and it says here, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony. That's an incredible statement. God gave testimony about David. What was God's testimony? And we all have a testimony. Okay? Other, other people know us and our testimony. But what would God say about our testimony tonight? This is God's testimony about David and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after, after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. What a great statement that is. I have found him. The search has been, gone out and I've found a man whom I can use. He will fulfill all my will. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to say in this generation that God could look down and say, I found a man, he is a man, he's a man after my own heart, and he'll fulfill all my will. Not some of it, but he's going to accomplish all of it. I pray that we'd have that type of a heart tonight. How's your heart? How's my heart? Am I a, a man after the heart of God tonight? Do I have that type of a heart? David had a godly heritage. Note that in verse 22. It says that he gave testimony and said, I found David, the son of Jesse. He came up in a Christian home, so to speak. Uh, I praise God for growing up in a Christian home. But you don't have to grow up in a Christian home to serve God. Uh, you can be a first-generation Christian and serve the Lord. But young man, if you're a second-generation and third-generation Christian, you've got a lot to be accountable for. You have a lot of privilege growing up in a Christian home. Don't squander it. Submit yourself to the Lord and serve the Lord. Be a young man with a heart, a heart after God tonight. Uh, he had a goodly heritage. I believe he also had that godly heart, a man after mine own heart. How's the condition of your heart tonight spiritually? I don't know it, but God knows it. Is your heart right with the Lord? Uh, do you have a tender heart, a submissive heart? Do you have a saved heart? We have to be saved first before the Lord can even use us. So how's your heart? Look at verse 36 of this same chapter. This is an amazing statement. It says this, For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep. There's one thing that's going to happen to every one of us, unless we're saved and the rapture of the saints takes place. We'll be gone, caught up to be with the Lord. But we have an appointment. It's appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. Each and every person is going to die. And we have one lifetime, one opportunity to serve the Lord and be used by the Lord. We have one lifetime to impact a generation for the Lord. Did you catch that in verse 36? For David, after he had served his own generation. He served his generation. He made an impact upon his generation. And it's my prayer, Lord, help me to be an impact on my generation. Help me to use the short window of time that you have given me with my children to be able to pass on truth to them. Uh, help me to use the few short years that you've given me to serve in a local church to accomplish great things for you because pretty soon I won't, I won't have any more time and I'm going to be with the Lord. Redeem the time. The days are evil. Get busy serving the Lord. We have to be decisive. What did Joshua say? We have to be, uh, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
So he answered for himself and for his home. He was decisive and said, we're going to serve the Lord. What are we going to do with our time? Are we going to serve the Lord tonight? I pray that we would be that man after God's own heart. Don't waste the time that God's given you. The search is going out. God's seeking for hearts tonight, for men that he can use. I pray that you have a saved heart tonight. Look at 1 Samuel 16, if you would. We see the actual calling or the anointing king of this young man, David, at the time. And uh, he was just a young lad. He was one of seven, I believe. He called his seven, one of eight maybe, called his seven other brothers to see if they were going to be anointed to, before Samuel. And uh, God refused and God rejected all those and said, this is not the anointed. He said, don't you have any other brothers? He said, well, we've got one brother, uh, one son. He's out taking care of the sheep. You don't want him. He's kind of the runt. He's the young man. And uh, Samuel said, go get him. Brings him in. And this is the one. This is he, God says. Note it in 1 Samuel chapter 16. It says here, and uh, as Samuel is standing before the sons of Jesse, and uh, he's making these sons to pass by, and perhaps he sees Eliab come by. And this must, he must have had a, a big, strong countenance. Maybe he had big muscles. Maybe he was as good looking like Pastor Boots. And uh, here, here's a man, Samuel thought, that God, you can use. Okay? But what does God say in verse number 7? But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance. It's not about your good looks tonight. You don't have to be good looking to serve the Lord. I'm so thankful I wouldn't be here tonight. Okay? Uh, you don't have to have height of stature to serve the Lord. It's not about who you are on the outside. Okay? God's not looking for personality and uh, persuasiveness with people. What is he looking for? He's looking for something on the heart. He's looking for men after his own heart tonight. How's your heart? He says, don't look on the height of his stature because I have refused him. You can have everything right on the outside and be refused of the Lord. That's a good rebuke tonight. We've got to make sure our heart's right. How's the condition of your heart? He says, for the Lord seeth, not as man seeth. And uh, the E-T-H implies present tense, that this is how God is looking right now. He's presently seeing. So as he's looking at us in this room, God's observing our heart. That's an incredible thought tonight. God knows my heart. He's looking at my motives. He knows if I'm sincere or not. He knows if I'm right or not. He knows if I'm saved or not. He knows if I'm humble or not. It says here in verse 7 again, The Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance. Right now I'm looking on the outward appearance. I see Nitin. He looks good. He has his tie on. He looks sharp. And I said, there's a man God can use. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. But that's not God's, how God looks. Where's God looking? This doesn't mean, by the way, that it doesn't matter how I dress and I can you know, look like the world and still God, God will use me because God knows my heart. Well, no, man still looks at the outside. And if our heart is right, we'll want to dress right on the outside. We'll want to do things on the outside that look right. But that doesn't make you right. You'll want to do right if your heart is right. The heart is the key. If you get the heart, outside will take care of itself. And I thank God for that. We've had people that come to church now, I'm thankful. I was telling Pastor Boots today, we had a gentleman, he wouldn't mind you t me telling you this. He started coming to church, has a salvation testimony, had big earrings in his ears. And that's, to me, I'd say, we say, you know, you, you shouldn't look effeminate, right? You want to look different. You want to look like, and if you're here, you have earrings tonight, I'm not bringing it out for anything like that, uh, getting on your case. But, uh, you know, the Lord began to change his heart. And as his heart changed, guess what? Whew, the earrings came out. He said, I don't, I don't want those in my ear. Uh, I want to have a right heart. I want to look right on the outside. Uh, praise the Lord for that. Uh, we, we preach on, about the heart and let the Holy Spirit change people. Nobody went up and said, listen, you need to get those out of your ear. Nobody told him that. And uh, over time, he said, you know what? Lord, 
I believe you want me to take these out of my ear. Praise the Lord for that. But look what it says there in that verse. The Lord looketh uh, on the heart. The Lord looketh on the heart. God's looking at your heart tonight. And uh, I pray that we'll have a heart that is right before the Lord. Uh, do you know, note this passage again. Look what it says in verse number six, verse 1 of chapter 16. And this speaks about Saul. It says here in the first verse, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him? So some men, when God looks at them, what does he do? He rejects them and says, I can't use you. That's pretty heavy. It says in 1 Samuel 15, uh, verse 15, I believe, uh, Because you've rejected the word of the Lord, I've rejected you from being king. So if we reject God's word for our life, God rejects us. That's reciprocal. I don't want to be in the category of men tonight that God would have to say, I can't use you, I'm setting you on the shelf. I'm rejecting you. But that's what it says about Saul there. Uh, look at verse number 7. Again, it says this, because I have refused him. God can reject men, but God can also refuse men. Say, I, that's not a man I can use. He looks good on the outside. He got his hair combed just right, but I refuse him because I know his heart. Uh, I don't want to be refused by the Lord. I don't want to be rejected by the Lord tonight. Well, it says of David in Acts chapter 13, it says that God was able to raise him up. It says of Saul, actually, when God had removed him. That's even more heavy. When you're in a position and uh, God has to reject you, and then at some point God has to remove you and say, okay, I can't have you in there anymore, and he removes you, takes you out. And then it says God raised up David. And that's because he had a heart. He was a man after God's own heart. I want to be in that last court category of men, a man that God could look down and say, I can raise you up and use you because you have the right heart. I don't want to be refused by the Lord for the condition of my heart tonight. I'd give you three thoughts here tonight uh, about a man after God's own heart. Maybe this will be application for us tonight that we can take with us. What does it mean to be a man after God's own heart and praying about this? Uh, how do you boil that down? That's a pretty broad statement if you think about it. The God of heaven says, here is a man after mine own heart. What does that mean? So three, three simple thoughts, I believe. First one is men who are devoted to the worship of their God. David was a man who worshipped his God. Whether it was out on a hillside while he was keeping the sheep and playing his harp, what was he doing? He was out there writing what? Hymns. Uh, he wrote songs and psalms and sung them to his God. Uh, how many of us are men that have a real relationship with God because we've been saved through repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? We have a real relationship with him, and we truly desire to love him, to serve him, to worship him. Do we have that kind of a passionate relationship with the Lord? Uh, that's what it means to be a man after God's own heart, to worship the Lord. Uh, just read through the Psalms. I like Psalm 34, where David says, Oh, come, uh, let magnify the Lord with me. Let us praise his name together. Uh, he, he worshiped the Lord privately, but then he was able to call people together publicly. Say, let's go worship the Lord together. Uh, do you have a heart for worship? It shouldn't be that we have to twist men's arms to sing. Uh, shouldn't we have a song in our heart? If we're filled with the Spirit, what's an evidence of that? Speaking to yourselves in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Uh, if you're filled with the Word of God, if we let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly in all wisdom, the fruit of that will be singing. It'll come out. Do you have a heart that wants to worship the Lord? Uh, do you, when you're alone, maybe you sing in the shower. Is that a good thing to do? Anybody do that? Okay, when I'm driving down the road, uh, I like to sing, and people probably think I'm strange. Uh, you're driving down the road, and they probably say, what's that guy doing in his car? Well, some of these people listening to their rock music, they have no shame about it, and I think they're strange, okay? But we should have a heart that wants to worship the Lord. That's part of being a man after God's own heart, 
David was not ashamed to worship the Lord. Uh, he said uh, that he would even be more vile and debase himself uh, as he was dancing before the Lord. I'm not talking about some kind of a sensual dance, but leaping for joy as the ark of God would come back into Jerusalem. He had a passion for the Lord. Are you passionate for the Lord? Do you get passionate for God's house? Uh, I, I, we, can, we can say hallelujah and amen, and we should. I'm not for you know, running pews and this kind of stuff and uh, showmanship, but we are for spontaneous, sincere worship of the Lord. Do you worship the Lord? David worshiped the Lord. He, he was a man after God's own heart. Uh, he knew how to use weapons, which is good to do. He was a man's man. Uh, he knew how to use a sling. He knew how to kill a bear, kill a lion. But yet he knew how to play a harp and worship the Lord. That's a real man. A real man knows how to sing. Uh, a real man knows how to worship. A real man will say to his family, hey, family, let's sing together. Uh, that's to be a man after God's own heart. You can use weapons and worship tonight. Uh, worship requires, though, that we first have a relationship with God. You know, we're not born saved. As I started with that verse tonight, we're born lost. We're born without a relationship with God. And that's the gospel tonight. We're all sinners. Uh, we can do nothing to have a relationship with God. But I'm thankful that God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Every one of us is a sinner tonight, but God loved us and sent Jesus Christ to pay for our sins upon the cross. It doesn't do us good enough to know that. We've got to receive that by faith tonight. Uh, we've got to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Jesus said, repent ye, and believe the gospel. What is the gospel? That Christ died for our sins, and that he was buried, and that he rose again. Jesus Christ himself is the very Son of God. Uh, he came down to shed his perfect blood so that we could be forgiven. We could be redeemed. We could be justified tonight. Uh, do you have a relationship with God? It doesn't come through good works or baptism. It doesn't th come through doing anything that we can do to reach up to God. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. When did you receive the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm thankful for this past Lord's Day. I've been witnessing to a guy. His name is Jay. The Lord's put him in my path, I would say, probably 12 times, 10, 12 times, something like that. I met him at a barn sale, went to go look at some of the things he was selling, and I was able to witness him, to him there. I stopped by and witnessed to him again, gave him gospel tracts, been texting him along the way, inviting him out to church, and uh, he's just been going through a really rough time. Uh, he didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as a Savior. This past Sunday, I texted him before the service. I said, Jay, I'm preaching this morning. Would love to have you come. And I uh, was preaching from John chapter 8, Christ and the adulterous woman, go and sin no more. Christ's love for sinners. And I uh, guess who walked in the door Sunday morning with his girlfriend, this gentleman, Jay. And uh, he comes and he sits right down front. And I'm thankful for that. One of, my, one of the people gave him a Bible. He could uh, follow along in the service. But preached on Christ's love for sinners, that Christ came and he loved them. He doesn't want to condemn them. You know, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Christ came to save sinners. We all need salvation. And we get, we get saved when we come to Jesus Christ by simple repentance and faith, sincere repentance, simple faith, and we repent and believe upon him, we can be saved today. Well, at the invitation, I'm thankful, the second verse, uh, guess who stepped forward? Jay. He comes walking forward. And I said, Jay, can you tell me why you came forward today? He says, I need to be saved. I said, praise God, Jay. And a uh, gentleman came forward, uh, happened to be my father-in-law, which Brian, you know, Ron Mann, took him out and led him to Christ. And I believe he meant business, but we'll pray for the Lord to ha manifest evidence, fruit in his life. But I rejoice. Now he's been messaging me every day since then. And uh, I'm so thankful 
for what the Lord did for Jay. And, uh, you know, we all need to be saved. That's how we can have a relationship with the Lord and worship the Lord. You've got to be saved first. When was your salvation day? When did you believe upon Christ for salvation? I pray that if you have not received Christ, you do so today. Then you can be a man after God's own heart and worship Him. And we'll do the second two quickly tonight, and we'll be through. The second thought about this, how to be a man after God's own heart, I believe would be a man who desires the Word of God. You desire the Word of God. When I think about David and his desire for God's Word, here's a man that penned Psalm chapter 1. talks about delighting in the law of God. You'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth your fruit in his season. Uh, we need to be in the Word of God, meditating in the Word of God day and night. It's not just about check off having our devotions in the morning, but we should meditate on the Scriptures. You know, the Scripture is the lamp to our feet and the light to our path. This is our weapon. This is the sword of the Spirit. Uh, the weapons of our warfare, thank God, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. If you're going to be victorious, you better pick up the sword of the Spirit. It'd be foolish to go to battle and not take your sword with you. I, I'm thankful to take my Bible everywhere I go whether it's on my smartphone, uh, but if I go somewhere, I usually take my, my hard copy of my scriptures with me. As, uh, it's important to be able to have the Word of God. And uh, we better have it in our heart, too. It's not just about carrying it around as a relic. But do you have a relationship with this book? Do you delight in this book? David wrote Psalm 1. He also wrote Psalm 19. Talked about the sweetness of the Word of God. It's better than money and better than honey. Sweet, better than money, better than anything that you could buy, better than any firearm that you could own is to have this book right here. Uh, this is the most important possession that you could ever have, is a copy of the promises of the Word of God. We have all things for life and godliness contained right here in the Scriptures. And the Holy Spirit speaks to us through this book right here. David also wrote the most extensive psalm on the Word of God. He wrote Psalm 119, an incredible acrostic psalm that deals with every Hebrew alphabet, letter of the alphabet, 21 letters, every section with eight verses that began with that letter a masterpiece on the scriptures. If you go through that, he talks about the word of God was his delight. Uh, he sought the word of God with his whole heart. He longed for the precepts and the commandments and the judgments of this book. Do I long for the word of God like that? Whew. I, I confess, many times I don't long for the word of God like that. And uh, I'm, I'm ashamed of that. I should love the word of God. Uh, this should be desired, as Job said, more than my necessary food. No, more than having a great big meal, which we had tonight. Praise God for that. We should have an appetite for the Word of God. We should have an affection for the Word of God. Do you love the Bible? Do you love the Word of God? I pray that you do tonight. I pray that I do. Traits of a godly man have a heart of worship, devoted to worship, a desire for the Word of God. Uh, Psalm 112 is a powerful verse that David wrote. It talks about, blessed is the man that delights in the Word of God. If we delight in the Word of God, we could be the blessed man. Blessed also means happy in the Old Testament. You want to be happy? How many men want a happy life, right? I'd want a happy life. Well, hey, happiness comes from trusting in the Lord. Happiness comes from delighting in the Word of God tonight. Do you delight in the Scriptures, the rich relationship we can have with the Lord? If we're going to seek the Lord, how do we do that? We've got to seek Him through this book right here. Uh, Psalm 119, blessed are they that seek Him with the whole heart. And we do that by being in the book, the Word of God. Uh, we have to have a devotion of worship to the Lord. We have to be desirous of the Word. Our final thought tonight, if we're going to be a man after God's own heart, and that is that we need to delight to do the will of God. Delight to do the will of God. Uh, and no man is going to be a man after God's own heart without having a relationship with this book. 
If you don't have a relationship with the book, don't tell me you're a man after God's own heart. Okay? Uh, and the same goes for me. I can't say, well, I love the Lord and I'm a, I'm a man after God's own heart, but I don't spend any time in my Bible. Uh, that's a contradiction. Uh, but no man is going to have a love and a delight to do the will of God unless he's in the Word of God. Understand that. A desire to do the will of God will come because I'm in the Word of God and seeking out His commandments. Uh, it's David said this in Psalm chapter number 40, verse number 8. And I believe this is script, that's scriptural, that statement I made. He says, I delight to do thy will, O God. He says, yea, thy law is within my heart. So he had a delight to do the will of God, but what was in his heart? Before he delighted to do the will of God, he had the word of God in his heart. If you fill your heart and mind with the word of God, you're going to be doing the will of God. And I believe it's simultaneous in the Gospels. Uh, if we follow and obey and seek the word of God, we'll be doing the will of God. Uh, it, it's the lamp to our feet and the light to our path. And as you get in the scriptures and it illuminates the next step, you take that step and you'll find, guess what? You're walking in the will of God. How do you walk in the will of God? Get in the word of God. Take the next step. Walk in obedience to the scriptures tonight. Walk in the light. Well, where do you find the light? That word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Delight to do the will of God. David becomes a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because doesn't it say that in Hebrews chapter 1? Lo, in the volume of the book, it is written of me, I come to do thy will, O God. Thy law is within my heart. I delight.